Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded podcast. I'm Matt Sainsbury, Editor-in-Chief of DigitallyDownloaded.net, and with me this week, we've got a whole bunch of people. Uh, I'm not going to intro any of them. We're just going to get on with the podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, no, of course, I'm going to intro everybody. Uh, oh, since Trent said well, hello, Trent. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Matt from New Zealand, Kiwi Matt. Hello, Kiwi Matt. Hello. Don't call me Kiwi, um, it's a slur. <laughs> okay. Um, per, not, person of person not. of new person of New Zealand origin. <laughs> uh, we also have another person of New Zealand origin, Jeannie. Yay. Hello, Jeannie. Hi. And we have Harvard. Hello, Harvard. Wow. Hello. <laughs> I thought we just going for wow today. Yeah, we're doing a lot of wowing. Um, so we've got a pretty packed and interesting podcast ahead of us. We're going to jump straight into it. We're going to go to some Hatsune Miku music. Then we're going to come back and talk about the games of April, which is very early, I know, but we have reasons which I will describe right after this music piece.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Okay, so as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the games of April for reasons. I'm actually off to Japan next week, so we're not going to be recording podcasts. Don't worry, we've got plenty planned, but we do need to talk about the games of April nice and early this month. So um, to run through them, first up on April 9, we have Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy coming to Switch, which is pretty good, I think, for people who haven't played Phoenix Wright before, which is not many, but um, there you go. On, also on April 9, we've got Zenki Zero, Last Beginning, coming out, which is a Spike Chunsoft dungeon crawler, um, which looks really good, actually, really interesting. Uh, I'm sure lots of people are looking forward to that one. Uh, on April 11, we have Earth Defense Force Iron Rain, which is going to be amazing, because if you played the last Earth Defense Force, which was Earth Defense Force 5, you'd realize that that series has really hit its stride, and it's a lot of fun. Um, definitely worth looking forward to that one. Uh, on April 16, we've got Anno 1800 coming out for people who like their city builders and simulations. We also have Final Fantasy XX2 HD Remaster, which is coming out for, what, the 17th time now? Um, <laughs> it's coming out on Xbox One and Nintendo Switch, finally. Uh, and then also World War Z is coming out on April 16, which actually, for some reason, I'm looking forward to. I don't know why. I like the movie, I think. I quite like the movie. So the game, which is coming very much later on, uh, seems to be interesting. On April 23, we have Dragon Dogma uh, Dark Arisen coming on the Switch, which is good for people who like that game, not me, but other people. Um, Mortal Kombat 11 also comes out on that day, so that's going to be good. I know Matt hates Mortal Kombat, but people who people who have taste in fighting games like Mortal Kombat. Um, what else have we got? we got Box Boy and Box Girl coming out on April 26, which is... That was a 3DS downloadable only uh, puzzle game set, and now it's coming out on Switch, which is really good. Uh, April 26 also brings us Days Gone. Yeah. Um, April 30. <laughs> it's moving on from that one. <laughs> yeah, Days Gone. It's fun if you like watching blowtorch torture scenes. April 30, we have Final Fantasy 12 coming out on Switch and Xbox as well, and that's my favorite Final Fantasy, so yay. Um, all right, so Ginny, what's your, what are you looking forward to in April? Um, not, I mean, you've obviously got a whole bunch of games coming out in March, mm-hmm. and you'll probably probably be having, having to pick up on the backlog then, but April yeah, still yeah. seems like an interesting month. Sorry, randomly, yeah. I can hear myself. Someone's not got something fully plugged in or no no i don't think anybody hmm. that's just you <laughs> that was weird because i was hearing it now it's fine but anyway it's all right um uh would i have to leave the podcast if i said days gone okay i'm allowed i am allowed that's nice thanks for allowing me to stay here um <laughs> so what are you looking forward to days gone Ginny? tell us i'm, I'm not actually oh, okay. <laughs> maybe she don't likes worry. the watcher scenes don't worry yeah. um no you thought. you missed this one out but warhammer chaos Bane is coming out oh April. i did too that looks good isometric hack and slash warhammer mm-hmm. um so that would be fun to find fun for me to play i love warhammer as you guys probably know from the warhammer games i've reviewed or digitally downloaded so um, and also, Imperator Rome comes out in April as well. Oh, it does too. It Good does month. too. So, love me some Forex games. So, I'm going to love Imperator Rome. And also, I studied um, 
I guess, the history of Rome when I was at college. And so it's always been like one of my favorite time periods. So focusing like mm. definitively on Imperator Rome and just seeing footage that I saw last year at FDX Con about how good it looks. I'm super pumped for it. So those are the ones I think that I'm the most excited for. Um, yeah. Cool. Trent, tell us, what are you going to be playing from uh, April? <laughs> well, you know, I could always play March games in April. That sounds like a great thing to do, you know, get into that backlog, uh, which I probably will, but not a March game, but last week's game, uh, this new Civilization expansion pack, which came out, that looks pretty good. Um, it's getting great reviews, so maybe I'll pick that up with all the fun, uh, you know, disasters and more environmental theme and yeah, it's, it sounds cool, but it was like a last week game, not an April game. So, um, But outside of that, the actual releases, uh, Phoenix Wright looks good. I'll probably pick that up, even though I played all the originals again. It's always good to have something on a more modern console if you are interested in replaying it. And outside of that, I'll probably keep the month quiet because uh, I got a few big events in uh, April. My friends are getting married, so don't really want to touch any games or anything in April. But uh yeah, I'll probably, well, probably just play stuff in my backlog. But, but, but Trent, you could buy Box Boy and Box Girl and have something to play at the wedding. Yeah. On the Switch? I, yeah, I'm the, the best man. I can't be sitting there playing the Switch. That's the perfect opportunity to be playing the Switch. You know, you're standing oh, up there yeah. at the altar. And then you're, you're the best man, you have a duty to play the best console. <laughs> that is true. But I'll be also wasted. That's the whole point of a wedding. So, you know, you got to balance this out. How am I supposed to play Box Boy and Box Girl with a Switch while overly intoxicated at my best friend's wedding? You know, it's just... Yeah, actually, that's a point. I mean, bo yeah. Box Boy and Box Girl is a little bit, you know, puzzly for when you're wasted. You could get Mortal Kombat and that'd be perfect for the wedding. You know, perfect in theme. I don't think it's on the Switch, though. It is. it is. It is? Wow. That's it is. So weird. Yeah. Is it actually reviewing good or sounds good on the Switch? Or is there any footage so far of it on the Switch? No, not yet. But, I mean, it should be fine. Mortal Kombat's never been the kind of game that really pushes hardware because it's, you know, 2D fighter as opposed to 3D and, um, you know, it doesn't have the kind of boob physics that Dead or Alive does and stuff like that. So there's no reason that it can't go into the Switch. Uh, unlike Dead or Alive 6, which I would love on the Switch, but unfortunately maybe a little bit, you know, Marie Rose is a little bit beyond the Switch's power. Um, Matt, what about you? Are you looking forward to, let me guess, I'm, I'm going to guess, are you looking forward to Zinky Zero, right? I am looking, well, I was looking forward to Zinky Zero. Oh, then you found out it got censored. And then I found out it got, <laughs> it got butchered, completely and utterly butchered to be made unplayable because they decided <laughs> to remove a panty shot from the opening cutscene. And without that, there's just no <laughs> point playing the game anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I mean, the, those things are always good fun. I love watching those controversies pop up because yeah. they're just they're just hilarious. It's like get out of yourselves, just play the bloody game. Shut but, up. But on a more serious note, I am, <laughs> I am very much looking forward to that. It looks very interesting. It's like mm -hmm. a, basically a dungeon crawler in a similar vein as all those other ones that have been coming out recently, like Mary Skelter and Etrian Odyssey, but without the drawing component. Um, but this one is set in like a sort of kind of post-apocalypse post type thing, but a very bright and colourful version where but all of humanity is wiped out except for these eight people who are embodiments of the, well, the seven deadly sins and then an eighth person who is original sin. And so I think it's, oh, I actually didn't know that. They're actually based on the Seven Deadly Sins. Yeah. Cool. So I, like really, I think it's going to be an interesting concept that'll oh, yeah. 
take the story and, in interesting places. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Spike, and Spike Chimsoft is a particularly reliable developer, mm. um, except for those bloody jump star fighting games. <laughs> How they managed to ruin, screw those up, I, I, I'll never understand. But otherwise, they're, they're a good developer, and the, the JRPG stuff especially is obviously their strength. So, yeah, that's definitely a, an interesting one. Um, what about you, Harvard? Coming to you last, which ones, which games are you looking forward to the most um, in um, April? This, I don't know if we'll get it, but this looks interesting. P Cube is publishing another uh, visual novel called um, Our, "Our World Is Ended" or something like that. Ah, uh, yes, oh, yeah. yes. It gives me a bit of like a Steinscape vibe because it's a, like about eight guys who are making a um, I think it's like an AR or VR reality game or something like that. And they get a vision into the future, and it's got all like this time travel sci-fi kind of aspect to it. Looks like it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I that wasn't on my list, so yeah, thanks for bringing up that up. That does um that does look like a good one. I, I like the visual style of it, and I like the way PQ localizes games too. They're a pretty good localization outfit for sure. Um, and then I just wanted to mention one that nobody else mentioned, but I'm personally looking forward to it. I don't care if you guys aren't, but I am. <laughs> Earth Defense Force. I love Earth Defense Force. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to Iron Run. I actually played it a little bit. I played a demo of it at TGS last year, and it is a cut above Earth Defense Force Five, which I absolutely loved as well. Um, definitely looking forward to that game. And if you haven't played an EDF game before, you you kind of owe it to yourself to play one. I mean, I'm not going to try and force you to play one, but you should um, because they're they're great. They're fun. They're shooters, but they're also B-grade trashy shooters, which are just hilarious. Uh, deliberately B-grade trashy shooters, and they have um, they have a very Ed Wood sci-fi um, kind of vibe to the, the way they do the sci-fi. And yeah, it's it's great. Um, I don't know. Have any of you actually played one? Nope. Nope. I really want. Wow. I've, I've played. I've played a little bit that one time when I was at your house, Matt. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yes. That's, that's, yes. I really I, I enjoyed that. And I really liked the look of them. One thing that. I had well, it had me slightly concerned about Iron Rain, and it's probably not accurate. But I read something about saying that it was trying to be a more serious take on a franchise that is deliberately very not serious, and I wasn't sure how that would work out. Well, if that happens, then I don't think there'll be a score low enough I can give the game because the whole <laughs> the whole point of these games is to be stupid and hilarious. I mean, yeah. you want them you want them to play fairly well, and they do. Um, they they don't play as you know tightly as a Call of Duty or whatever, but they play well enough for what they're trying to do. Uh, mm. But you want the silly themes and you want yeah. the the nonsense monsters and all that kind of stuff. I really hope that they don't try and make it you know dude bro serious because if they do, that's it for the series as far as I'm concerned. What if it's dude bro serious, but it was like piss taking dude bro serious? Oh, that's fine, and that's what Earth Defense that's what it does. Yeah. Do. yeah, it it absolutely takes the, the the piss out of those kind of dude bro dude bro serious games. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I you've got me concerned now, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Try find the source of what I heard that that thing that claim that might be now. completely yeah. baseless. Hopefully. It's <laughs> okay. And on that note, we're going to go to some music. I think. Um, what are we going to play? Let's go. I'm going to point at the screen. Harvard, pick a song. Uh, what? Yep. Um, is there any? Is there any good up defense music? Advanced Force music? Um, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> what do you mean no? I mean, it, it's it, 
it's like the rest of the game. It's kind of deliberately bad. Actually, that's a perfect thing to play. Okay, just because that way, Alan has to listen to it when he's editing it. So um, yeah, we're going to play some Earth Defense Force music, and we're going to come back to and talk about Caligula. From any alien attack, from Soldiers are prepared for any alien threats. The Navy launches ships, the Air Force sends their jets, and nothing can withstand our fixed bayonets. The EDFD boys. Our forces have now dwindled and we pull back to regroup. The enemy has multiplied and formed a massive group. We'd better beat these bugs before we're all turned to soup. The EDFD ploys to take down giant insects who came from outer space. We now head underground for their path we must retrace and find their giant nest and crush the queen's carapace. The EDFD ploys. And welcome back, everybody. Okay, so we're going to talk about Caligula Effect, and I know long-time listeners of the podcast, we've actually talked about this game a couple of times, but um, Overdose has just come out, um, or is coming out, actually. Um, embargo lifted on it, so we've been able to review it as critics. I believe the game itself is out about the time that you'll be listening to this. But, um, yeah, we, we talked about Caligula Effect a few times, but I wanted to talk about it again because it's that good, and I think that it's probably one of the most unknown great JRPGs out there, and a lot of people don't know about it, haven't played it, but they should. Um, so, Matt, you haven't played it before. This is your first time playing it for Overdose on, on the Switch. Um, and I, I read your review, obviously, and you loved it. Um, I did. That's a very good you, game. <laughs> what was it? What was it? I mean, at what point did you realize that you loved the game? I guess. Like, was it immediately, or did it grow on you? Um, I pretty much loved it right from the start. I think when it in that that opening moment where it's sort of the main the main character doesn't really have much of a kind of background and backstory until things start to get revealed right to, to late towards the end of the game. But so initially you set that up basically by the um Mew, the AI character who based is a virtual idol and basically a god of this fictional world that she created to give people endless happiness. Um starts asking you a few questions about like what it is in the real world that you're trying to escape from. And that basically set it up as being is that I knew that, yeah, this is going to be an interesting game that goes to some very interesting places. So, yeah, basically right from the start. And then I got into the first battle and played through, like, the tutorial for the battle combat system. And that was just blew my mind away by how interesting it is. Yeah, it really is an amazing combat system. We've never seen... There is nothing like it. Um, it it's one of those genuinely innovative and original combat systems. Uh, and, yeah, it's... That was, I guess, the moment for me when I realised back when I played it for the first time on the Vita, actually. Um, I, I was pretty much hooked straight away as well. Um, but for me, I guess it was because the character of Mew is quite obviously Hatsune Miku, so, you know, that was always going to sell it to me. Um, and, yeah, I just find it really interesting the way that it's, it is it is such a 
such an interesting look, I guess, the, the overall game is such an interesting look about uh, virtual idols and uh, that kind of the ability, the increasing ability that people have to remove themselves from the world, to indulge in these kind of, you know, fantasy um, constructions and in the in the digital space. And that's certainly something that you can kind of see in the real world as well. And, and people are, you know, removing themselves from the real world to to live in those kinds of the spaces of their own creation. So yeah, I found I found it a very interesting um, examination of real world issues as such. Uh, and uh, yeah, when I got to speak to the director, um, I realized how brilliant he is. <laughs> and he's definitely, he's so young too. I think he's, he, he's younger than I am. Um, and I think he was, he was still in his twenties when he came up with the, the Caligula effect. So he's got a long career ahead of him. Um, and hopefully he doesn't decide to try and go mainstream. <laughs> um, one of the things I love about the Caligula effect is it does, it, it's quite happy to be a niche game uh, and doesn't try to be all things to all people. And is quite happy that, you know, some people won't enjoy it. Um, Didn't he? So say, yeah, he say that in his interview with you, like just quite outright. He said that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He absolutely said because um, he was he was really fortunate that uh, Fu Fu I kind of I can never pronounce that company's name, but because they're a small publisher, they didn't pressure him, or there was there was no pressure to kind of create something that was a mainstream stream hit, so they could kind of explore their own um, their own ideas and and take risks because you know the, the the usual thing the more mainstream you try and be the less risks you can, you can take so yeah it was it was um it was a good interview i really enjoyed that interview it really stuck in my mind he's going to be the next yakotaro i believe um not that yakotaro is is on his way out by any means but um <laughs> yeah he's he's kind of the next generation of that kind of creator video gamers are to kind of person. So yeah, um, Ginny, mm -hmm. you haven't played Caligula Effect. What can we do to convince you to play this game? I am actually pretty convinced already. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. it, does, it doesn't take Mission much to convince extended. me. So much <laughs> yeah, like honestly, if if the, the, the concept sounds interesting and I'm all, I love like a really good dystopia slash artificial world. So just the, the concept alone would have grabbed me already. So, and also I feel like if it's a game that a lot of people that I suppose the mainstream public opinion is split on, um, then I tend to gravitate towards wanting to try that more. So yeah, oh yeah, I'm convinced. <laughs> you also get, I mean, the other neat thing, and I, I forgot to mention it, you actually, one of the things I really love about the game is the way it keeps making you question whether you're doing the right thing at all. Mm. <laughs> um, because as the heroes, you're actually working to destroy this kind of world because if you I mean the, the way the narrative works if these people are aware of the world that they've been drawn into uh, and they want out uh, the, the mm. characters that you're playing as and if they get out the, the strong implication is that the world itself will be destroyed mm. so um, everybody else who uh, many of which are quite happy in, in the space that they are uh, would lose that and yeah it, it, it raises interesting questions about whether your actions are actually the right actions to be taking because of the people that you would be affecting, um, whether you know uh, your selfish goals as such um, are worth putting everybody else through what what they'd have to go through if they they lost their um, their escape. 
But what about what about you, Trent? Um, now that the Caligula effect is actually on a platform Switch. that you play, <laughs> yeah, Switch. Are, are you going to give it a go? Uh, yeah, it sounds really interesting. I yeah, every time you talk about it, I'm like, yes, I'll play it, sort of thing. Like, I, you you've talked about it so much, I'm sort of beaten down about like the game. I'm like, yes, it's on my <laughs> list. I'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it that's that's my goal in life is to force people to play this game it's 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 like near um the original near not automata because everybody ended up playing automata anyway but um even me. I've, <laughs> yeah, even you but I, I feel this obligation <laughs> to force people to try and play this game because everybody missed the original near despite being yeah, a brilliant game um and i think this one's kind of in that same vein Although this time at least at least they've released it on new platforms because one of the problems nobody can play near is because it's only on the PlayStation 3. Um, can I give a word of advice? I could be wrong on this. You, you guys fill me in. But uh, I tried playing Caligula Effect on Vito and I yep. stopped after about like two hours because um, the game has this, I don't know what to call it. It's like a sphere grid almost like Final Fantasy X, but like there's all the characters that exist Ah, oh, I know yeah, what you're talking about. You can go and fulfill the dream. And I I am, like, pathologically drawn to completing these tasks when they're given to me. And I spent, like, <laughs> so much time on it. But it's you don't have to do it. It's like, you don't need to do that. any of that. You should just go follow the main story instead. Um, yeah, to be honest, I haven't. I, I never really bothered too much with that, that social <laughs> so network. Thing. Oh, my goodness. Because, yeah. because there's five over 500 um, characters on that, that grid. Um, so you can interact with you know, over five, 580 or something, I think. Um, so if you were to actually spend time to get to know every single one of those characters and do all of their, their little side quests and stuff, uh, you would be spending an awful lot of time playing the game. Um, that being said, some of those stories, those little stories that you come across are actually quite interesting. So yeah, it's worth playing a couple, but I don't think anybody, including the people who made the game, actually expect somebody to play all 500 of the yeah, stories. Yeah, I'm not a very good video game player. When I see side quests, I'm like, I'm going to do that first. Yeah. You must hate Assassin's Creed, Harvard. I'm going to try it, but I feel like I would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm kind of, kind of the same as you, Harvard, but I've, I found them reasonably easy too ignore except for when i wanted to do them in this game and i think also probably one of the benefits of it is a lot of them are basically gated off until quite late in the game but they don't tell you that like they they, they say that this person wants to talk to this person but you don't know the other person is gated off forever so you just yeah around looking for them sorry i've never yeah. played the game wrong I, that, I that, that is true yeah it, but <laughs> everything i've heard about it is good it's just like my experience of it so far has been, I don't understand the combat. I don't understand the sphere grid. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of the, the point is one of the reasons that the game is certainly not, um, it has no mainstream potential, I guess, is because it does have those kind of irritations with the gameplay stuff. Um, and it, it's got, it doesn't have some of the frame rate issues that the Vita version did. So it deal, dealt with that, but it, it does have other issues with the gameplay and, and those kinds of things. Um, which make it more a game for people who are willing to sit through that to experience the story and stuff. Um, so it's not as it's not as highly as refined as say a Sony uh, open world game. It's not Days Gone, but that's a good thing. 
I can talk about Days Gone now. Yeah. The embargo on the, the preview. The embargo on the preview lifted, so I can I can really go heavy now. It's <laughs> any publicity is good publicity, I guess, when it comes to Days Gone. Matt, I read your preview and you sounded so excited about it. Yeah, you're oh, so positive. It was basically like this is the best game ever. Yeah. I was I was actually very very professional mature with that preview. <laughs> and here's I, the here's the companion podcast where I completely destroy <laughs> that illusion. I I acknowledge that it's um it's okay. a game that a lot of people will like. <laughs> I acknowledge that, you know. True, I did the yeah. right thing. And then I and then I just laid in with some of my own opinions towards the end of the preview. Yeah. They shouldn't have torture scenes. I don't like that. All right, we're going to music. One of the other great things about the Caligula effect is its music. It has an amazing soundtrack, an absolutely amazing soundtrack. Um, and we're going to play one of the songs from it. It's the song from the first dungeon. I can't even remember the name of the song, but it is my favorite piece of game music ever. <laughs> we're going to play that. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the PlayStation Vita, Rest in Peace. Alan, she just put on a song from Days One.
Welcome back, everybody. So for the final section of the podcast this week, we're going to talk about something that is very sad. Um, very, very sad indeed. The PlayStation Vita has been formally put to rest. Sony is not making any more consoles. If you haven't got one yet, uh, you should have one because it has some great games on it. But you better buy it quick because it's going to get very expensive very soon um, amongst collectors and stuff. We wanted to talk about the PlayStation Vita this week because obviously it didn't sell particularly well. Uh, everybody knows that story, but it was perhaps the more the most un- underrated console I think that's been released in certainly recent times since the Dreamcast. Perhaps it has an amazing catalogue of games, and we'll just talk about some of our favourites from that console. So, Ginny, um, you have a PlayStation Vita, right? Mm, I had a PlayStation Vita. Um, you had? It passed It passed on me last year. Oh, no. That's sad. I know. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on the podcast as well. We had, like, a moment of silence for my PlayStation Vita. Oh, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember. Yeah. Did, you, did, you, did you bury it? Uh, did you that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't be very environmentally friendly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I definitely... Okay, well, from your yeah. time with the... What what were some of the highlights, I guess, um, of your time with the Vita? Were there any Post- games that kind of really stood out? Gravity Rush was one of them. Uh, um, yes. yep. Persona 4 Golden obviously was another one of them. Um, Conception. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I love that game. That was a great game. That was, a great game. That that was actually game. great. I even played Conception 2. Don't ask me why. <laughs> played both? Oh, why? The sequel, you know. Um, you should never, you should never apologize for liking Conception, Ginny. It's a great game. And let me actually, obviously, the Persona Rhythm games were amazing uh, when they were on the Vita. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to think about them now. But I just really, really enjoyed my time with the Vita. Mm. Like, it's just, it wasn't even that. I feel like the Vita is a better, is a better portable console than the Switch. Like, I fully <gasps> admit that I am a Switch convert, and I don't think the Vita is a better portable console than the Switch. But I think that the games that I loved back in the day on the Vita could only have come out on the Vita. Do you know what I mean? Like there was just yeah. no eco there was just no other ecosystem uh, for you to access the games like that. And like the yeah, original absolutely. Monster Hunter games, for example. Like there was just no other real vehicle to access them that way. The original God Eater games and stuff like that. Super Robot Wars even. Like so it's just I think the Vita I remember the Vita as a very unique ecosystem whereby a lot of indie games, a lot of Japanese games that uh, maybe now part of mainstream franchises because of how the world has become, I don't know, more open or more globalized or whatever. Back in the day, the only way to play games like Conception was on the Vita. So it, I credit the Vita as a platform that gave a lot of games the chance to flourish and introduced me to a lot of my favorite genres. Yeah. I think also uh, in, we, we should credit the Vita for really helping the explosion of visual novels in the West as well. Um, mm-hmm. Without yeah. without the number of visual novels that ended up on that console, and then localization, you know, uh, companies picking them up for that console as well, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we would have seen the same popularity of visual novels. I don't think the explosion of them that are on PC now would have happened necessarily happened because the Vita was kind of the console that proved there was a market for that stuff in the West. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I love I love my visual novels, and uh, I certainly played a lot of them on the Vita. Um, Danganronpa, 
was the one. Yeah, that's true. I think got me really into visual novels um, as a as a genre. Danganronpa really got me into them. Um, but what about you, Matt? You still have a Vita. You still play it, Brad? I still have a Vita. I still play it. Um, I've been playing it a lot recently because it's basically the only way these days to play Final Fantasy VIII as mm. in its yes. original oh, form. Um, yes, a, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's so true. It's, it's, sad, on, true. it's on Steam as well, but apparently the Steam version has issues. I have bought it on Steam, but I haven't played it. Um, apparently it's based off the original PC version, which wasn't great to begin with and had like a lot of... They basically, because of the whole issue of, oh yeah, we finished the game, so we deleted everything. When they were ma then making the original P PC port, they basically had to reverse engineer the whole game. Yes, the, so the only version of uh, Final Fantasy VIII that Square Enix does still have is that PC version, which is not very good uh, yeah. at all. So yeah, the, the original console data is all gone, which is very sad. But if and it's really terrifying because it means that Square Enix is probably at some point going to remake Final Fantasy. I just don't want that. No. <laughs> I mean, looking at what they're doing, Final Fantasy VII is just brutal. <laughs> it's it's yeah. cruel. I've been playing it a lot recently, and it's better than I remember remember it from when it first came out. And I liked it a lot when it first came out. And I think it has aged surprisingly well, even compared yeah. to like. Final Fantasy VII, which if you play the original PlayStation version these days, the the age of it really shows. Yeah, see, I was never a fan of Final Fantasy VII that much. <laughs> I know that's that's blasphemy to say, but Final Fantasy VII for me was an ugly mess of a game, really, um, even back when it was new and exciting. Whereas Final Fantasy VIII was better made just in general and it was more mm. interesting it was more original i found the characters to be better yes even squall i liked him believe it or not um <laughs> i like squall yes i'm admitting it on the podcast right here in front of our millions of listeners because we have millions of listeners picture. i i like squall um but yeah final fantasy 8 is a great game and you're right playstation vita is pretty much the only way to play it unless you go and get yourself one of those playstation tv units and play it on the home TV. You can do that as well. Um, Trent, you never had a Vita, did you? No, I got a Vita. Oh, you got a Vita, did you? Did you I ever did play get it? a Vita. I did play it. I had the uh, one of the original models, not the uh, refurbished, uh, more plasticky, ugly one. Um, and, yeah. Oh, the OLED screen. Yeah, yeah, I had one of them. So I guess I started with Persona 4 on it. So that was my introduction to the Persona series. And I absolutely loved it. And yeah, um, as you said earlier, Dagon Romper introduced you to visual novels, um, at least made you love it. And I guess my I loved Danganronpa when I like played it on the Vita. So that got me introduced into Danganronpa. Um, I had PlayStation Plus at various stages, so I had some really weird games which just came out on the PlayStation Plus system at the time, which was really, really good that they that they did it back then, but it's a shame they don't do it as much now as when, you know, all the weird indie games were on PlayStation Plus. Like, you'd go yeah. and like yeah. add it and then be like, oh, this is like like the PS4, I have like this Super Monkey Zoo game or whatever it is. And like, that's uh, Super Exploding Zoo, that's what it is. And it's like <laughs> the best game ever. And they just don't do that anymore on PlayStation Plus. Like, 
it's disappointing. But yeah, basically my whole Vita experience was visual novels, which were only on Vita, and weird PlayStation Plus stuff. And uh, JRPGs, of course, right, Trent? Oh, <laughs> you, you probably didn't play so many of them. <laughs> probably not. You really put in a corner there, man. I mean, Caligula Effect was is an obvious one. It got it got its start on Vita, um, and I you know loved that one. Another one that I know Matt and I both agree is absolutely amazing, and we wish that Sony would stop making Days Gone so it could make more of these. <laughs> is Orishika? Orish uh, Orishika was is an absolutely amazing JRPG, uh, which Sony published on the Vita. Last time Sony was really creative and really, um, actually that's a pretty harsh thing to say, but, <laughs> but is it I'm wrong? running with it. Is yeah, it is wrong? it wrong? <laughs> it's not really. Orishika was an amazing, amazing, amazing JRPG. If you do have a Vita still and haven't played it, uh, I definitely recommend you go and grab that one because if you will, you will remember it. That is for sure. It's... What about you? Oh, sorry, Matt. Go. go. I was going to say Orishika is, it's basically like, a living ukiyo-e painting yep. and with a story that kind of captures those same sort those that same style of storytelling i guess in that same sense of fantasy that those paintings conveyed um and a very interesting generational system where all your characters because of like a curse in their bloodline they live for about two years and they just age very rapidly so they live a full human life in the span of about two years and then have so a big part of the game is arranging passing on their abilities and traits and things to offspring to keep going yeah yeah absolutely it's a bit like um it's a bit like Conception, <laughs> Jimmy. Um, yes, I agree. You, you create you create generations of uh, kids and stuff, um, yeah. and then send them it's off a, into the, into the slaughter mines. It's yes. a game. It's a game about Let's it's learn. a game about family and legacy. Okay, very yeah. important messages to pass on to other people. Yeah, it's it is less uh, Orishika is less lewd than Conception, mm. but Conception was wasn't so bad really it wasn't so bad it's not as lewd as people think it is like there's not a lot of explicit lewdness it's just like the it's uh i was just gonna say like, i realized i was gonna say oh it's not that lewd it's just a lot of misogyny <laughs> i realized how bad that sounded but i mean like it's it's kind of like the way that people feel about dialing the franks it's like there's a core conceit there which treats women a certain way, but if you can ignore that core conceit long enough to enjoy the <laughs> mechanics, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I I just love how in conception the the whole breeding system works because oh they yeah, like it's so touch, oddball. They, it's so they like touch touch fingers or something, and then all yeah, of a sudden it's like it's like it's like, appear. Yeah, exactly. It's like Avatar, but like more intense like they just somehow like they osmosize into each other look who knows okay i'm I, let me just tell you there was no scientist working on that game they didn't have any expert advice they were like excuse me sir how does children work no one asked anybody that when it came to conception they were like okay the scientists to get to that point they just, they just really <laughs> didn't care about they just looked around the studio they were like who knows how babies work and people were like nope no one was listening all their headphones in and the guy was like sweet this idea that i made up is gonna work fine <laughs> 
this is not the conception I remember. Like, I was excited for the game. I didn't play it, but like, I it sounds like I knew only the basic mechanics of the game and didn't really, you know, this is just like blowing my mind that conception was this horrible dark secret game which no one played oh i mean i played it publicly often (laughs) it was not a a secret trent okay aren't aren't they actually bringing that one they're doing a new one aren't they aren't they doing a remake i I heard something about that and i'm you know what i'm gonna be sucking in for a third time i play conception too mothers okay i'm gonna do it again (laughs) so worry about this To clarify, the reason why I always get so angry is because I wasted my entire life finishing the whole of Conception 2. So, oh, yeah, Conception Plus. I can Plus never get has, that time back ever again. Conception Plus has been announced to the PS4, everyone. I hope you're ready. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> HD Conception. Brilliant. Yeah, my wallet um, is ready. Okay. And... <laughs> That's the, we're pretty much it. <laughs> we're pretty much out of time for the podcast this week. Oh, can I but we're going to give a beta thing. I was just about to. Give you a lovely segue there, Harvard. Oh, sorry. you ruined it. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say we'll we'll wrap things up with a bit of music from Conception. But uh, mm-hmm. just before that, Harvard, just to finish off, tell us uh, your kind of pick of the the Vita. Give us give us your uh, your your impressions or what you love most about the the console. So I I like it because it was that era that Sony C like Japan Studio was given just free reign to make whatever they wanted. So there's really cool games like, um, like Jenny mentioned, Gravity Rush and Freedom Wars and a lot of other studios are making cool stuff as well that were like new Japanese IPs. Whereas the Western games are just, how can we get our existing IP down into a less powerful thing? So if you ignore like the kill zone and the resistance and you go for like the stuff that you've never seen or heard before, you get a really good experience. But what I really wanted to shout out is that you have the whole back catalog of like a lot of PS1 games as well. And there's some really mm-hmm. good games you can't get anywhere else just on that Vita store. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, a like Matt, app, but um, Ridge Racer Type Four is like the best racing game, like a very stylish racing game from the PS1 era that everyone should go play. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like Matt mentioned, also Final Fantasy VIII, and there's a whole, there's a couple of hundred, I think, PlayStation games on there that you can play, fully compatible on the Vita. So a beast of a console. Uh, sad that it's gone, um, but I guess we'll go play our Switch now. All right, we're going to (laughs) some music from Conception to finish things off, and we will see you all next week. Thanks very much for listening in.